Hello and welcome to the East Baltimore Graffiti Church's podcast. We are so excited to have you join us today. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at ebgraffitichurch at gmail.com or you can check us out on our website at ebgraffitichurch.org. Good morning, church. Good morning. Hey, that was good. You guys are awake this morning. Very rarely do I ever sit in the back and I sat in the back this morning and I could hear the worship and it blessed my heart. As you turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 9, I told you guys we were going to, we're working through one of the toughest chapters uh, in the New Testament, maybe in the Word of God. I'm excited uh, about what God is doing. As you turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 9, uh, just a quick word. Uh, Thank you, sisters, for helping me clean up and get started this morning. Of course, Neil was here setting up for the worship service before the rest of our team got here to do their thing. Uh, So, what? Good save. We got a little wind going there. All right. Uh, time out. Would someone help her spread those? Yeah. I think. Yeah, let's get a little more there. Hold the top, please. There you go. Yeah, was the best one. All right. Somebody prayed for the Holy Spirit to fill the room. All right, good save, y'all. It'll land on Erica's head. Miss Melissa, thank you for opening our worship service in prayer and reading the scripture this morning. I heard uh, I missed the exciting announcements, but I knew they were coming today. Somebody was just a little bit excited about that. Hey, this morning I thought a great follow-up to Anthony's Uh, sermon last week. Uh, Anthony's sermon was hide and seek last week. Say, are you a hider or a seeker? He asked us those questions. So so this morning's title is God is Calling. God is Calling. So if you're hiding, God is calling you. And if you're seeking, listen up, God is calling you too. All right. Uh, Hey, so Miss Melissa read our scripture for us this morning. Uh, I am... uh, working my way back towards using the, uh, using the PowerPoint on the television, but I am not today. So here we go. Uh, God is calling, number one this morning, in a few minutes we'll see that God is calling the nations. God is calling the nations in verse uh, 24. And then if, you, uh, if you're really taking notes this morning, you're going to see the confirmation confirmation of God's calling of the Gentiles in verses 25 and 26. That's important. It is. Trust me. And then verses 27 and 28, confirming, uh, God is confirming the call of the Jews to salvation. Amen. Verse 29, we cannot miss God's calling to judgment. God's calling to judgment. And then verses 30 through 33, God's calling is always by faith. God's calling is always by faith. So this morning I will give those to you again as we go along. But we talk a lot about covenant relationship, right? So in verse 23, we finished up two weeks ago. And we said that um, God is even demonstrating his glory through wrath. So when God is exercising judgment and exercising wrath, his glory is on display. Remember, we talked about um, 
there we Paul asked the question two weeks ago there is no injustice with God right and the answer is heck no right that's right may it never be that's Paul's version in the Greek of heck no that's right we clean that up a little bit and so remember we said um, that God our example Pharaoh was one of our examples that God demonstrated his wrath through Pharaoh and he said he even raised Pharaoh up for his glory so again and we heard it in our worship this morning all for God's glory right so he says uh, and he did so he did what he made uh, he demonstrated his wrath through uh, 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 sorry guys vessels of destruction and vessels of salvation so here we go verse 24 even us whom he called not from among Jews only but also from among the Gentiles we're gonna go back there's a lot of Old Testament here if you guys uh, if you guys will will be patient with me we've got to go there this morning but in Hosea God is talking about his covenant relationship in Hosea he's talking about his restoring his covenant relationship with the northern tribes of Judah his children right um, his promise uh, with whom his promise to Abraham his children with whom he is in covenant relationship but we talk a lot about covenant right we talk about the covenant of marriage a covenant relationship with God and how that is different from a contract and you say why is that why is that uh, so important here uh, here this morning because we're going to see that even though Israel was disobedient and broke covenant with God that God is always faithful amen so God says when he says I will establish my covenant with you God is always faithful God is always going to finish what he starts and watch this if you are in a covenant relationship with God a truly a salvation based through Jesus Christ a covenant relationship with God listen you can't break that if you're truly saved there's nothing you can do to mess that relationship up remember God's love for you is not based on your behavior nor is God's salvation of you based on your goodness amen right yeah so here we go in Hosea chapter 2 verse 23 I'm gonna go there in just a second in my old Bible that's falling apart Hosea chapter 2 so the book of Hosea always breaks my heart some believe that literally God called the prophet to this life of sadness this difficult life in which his wife Gomer and I always say dude who would marry a woman named Gomer so this poor Hosea was in trouble from the beginning but that aside the book of Hosea breaks my heart because here's what God's demonstrating and I believe in this literal marriage relationship between Hosea and Gomer and he says you're gonna have children and you're gonna give them these names and one of them's name means once you were my people and now and the other child's name is no you're no longer my people and Hosea marries this woman Gomer and spoiler alert if you've never read the book of Hosea I'm, I'm just gonna spoil it for you multiple times throughout the book she goes out and she cheats on her husband and she even has children with other men 
And God calls the prophet Hosea to go out and find his wife and bring her back and treat her like his bride. Imagine that. Treat her like your bride. And love and and so God is doing this in Hosea because what he is what he is saying in the big picture is the children, my own children, uh, Israel, you have gone out and he uses the words in another book of the Bible, you have played the harlot with other gods, little G. And he says, I'm gonna take the bales away from their faces so they so, so Israel literally, they go out and they commit adultery against God. And he wants Hosea to prophesy to Israel through this most difficult relationship that he's going to have with his own wife. And yet we remember that God is calling. God is calling his children Israel to salvation. But remember, in, in Romans 9, what we're talking about here is is God the God of the Jews and the Gentiles? And the answer is yes. Is God calling Jews to salvation? Yes. Is God calling Gentiles to salvation? Yes. Are all Jews, uh, are all Jews uh, even today, are they in this covenant relationship just because they are Jewish? No. And, and Paul continues to make that point. And some of my friends and some of my Jewish friends will be angry with me again this morning when we hear what God's word says. So, Hosea chapter 2, verse 23. Uh, and I'll go back maybe to, um, no, I won't. I will sow her for myself in the land. I will also have compassion on her who had not obtained compassion. And I will say to those who were not my people, you are my people. And they will say, you are my God. In Romans chapter 9, God is actually, Paul is actually using these verses to talk, about, to talk about the Gentiles, bringing in the Gentiles to salvation. This is very important. God is calling the nations to salvation. So he says here, in Hosea, he's talking about Israel, right? But Paul uses this to talk about the Gentiles. And he said, I'm going to sow her for myself. I'm going to sow a seed for myself. I will have compassion on her who had not obtained compassion. And I will say to those who were not my people, you are my people. And they will say, listen to this, you are my God. We all have people, right? Yeah, those are my people. Sometimes we say it with pride, right? Yeah, those are my people, right? Sometimes we say, uh, yeah, those are my people, right? Some of y'all say, some of y'all, you know, you said that about your, about your people before, right? And, and in a neighborhood, that could mean anything. That could mean blood relations, cousins, family, or you're such a good friend, you're family, right? Those are my people. What God is saying is that because of Jesus Christ, salvation is being made available to the Gentiles. And remember Paul the missionary? Paul the missionary is being sent to the Gentiles. Paul, the Jewish guy who knows the word of God inside and out, and he's using it here today in Romans chapter 9 
he's going back to Hosea, he's going back to Isaiah, and he's going to make just uh, a whole theological, a whole theological meal for us. It's too big to eat, but we're going to finish it up anyway, right? All right. So the Gentiles, he's confirming, calling the Gentiles to salvation, but he's also in Hosea saying to his own people, uh, God speaking through the prophet Hosea. And you know, sometimes if we're not careful, idolatry is anything that I make more important uh, in my life than my relationship with God. I've been guilty of it. I've been guilty of it. Money, I don't know, new truck, every, you know, back in the day. This stuff doesn't appeal to me so much now, but uh, money, I, you know what? You fill in the blank. I don't have to. And so have I ever gone out and broken covenant relationship with God? Based on our biblical definition of idolatry, you know what? I have. Did I lose my salvation? No. Why? Because God is always faithful in his covenant relationship with you or me. That's why covenant relationship is so different than a contract. A contract between two people or a business, once that contract is fulfilled and services are rendered or serv and services are paid for, the contract is over, right? It goes in a file and everybody forgets about it and you move on. The covenant relationship is not like that, right? So God says here, he is calling in verses 25 and 26, uh, he is confirming his call of the Gentiles to salvation and it's a beautiful picture. They were not my people. You were not my people, Charlie, but because of Jesus, and he doesn't say because of Jesus yet, but because of Jesus, Charlie, you have opportunity. You're going to be my people. And God is the one calling to salvation here. So we have the confirmation of the calling of the Gentiles in verses 25 and 26. And we know that God is faithful. So let's go to Hosea, just one uh, over to the left, half a page, and 1.10. Hosea chapter 1, verse 10. Yet the number of the sons of Israel will be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. And in the place where it is said to them, you are not my people, it will be said to them, you are the sons of the living God. And just for context here, verse 11, and the sons of Judah and the sons of Israel will be gathered together and they will appoint for themselves one leader and they will go up from the land for great will be the day of Jezreel. So, so we know that in Hosea, God is, God is restating his covenant with the nation of Israel. But Paul is using it again here, Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9. Paul is using these words, the same language in this same beautiful picture, to describe the salvation of the Gentiles. Um, and so we get that we get that and then he moves on in verses 27 and 28 and he goes to the book of Isaiah and if we turn to and we're going to see here confirming the Jews confirming the salvation of the Jews this is where um, a lot of Christians disagree about some of what God is doing now and what God will do in the future but here's what happens in Isaiah here's what happens in Romans chapter 9 Paul nails this thing down for us theologically. And if we pay close attention to the details, which is not my spiritual gift, but it, but it is in the Word of God, right? If we pay close attention to the details, we really, we 
hear what Paul was inspired by the Holy Spirit to teach us. So, Isaiah chapter 10 and verse 22. For though your people, O Israel, may be like the sand of the sea, only a remnant within them will return. A destruction is determined, overflowing with righteousness. We're going to come back to the righteousness. It gets real good in verse 30 through 33. But therefore, thus says the Lord to God of hosts, O my people who dwell in Zion, do not fear the Assyrian who strikes you or lifts up his staff against you the way Egypt did. So he's saying, don't fear your enemies. He said a remnant will return from the captivity. God, in Old Testament theology, there is a theology of this idea of remnant. Um, God always spared a remnant of his children to, to return to glorify him. And we're going to see here what this means in salvation in Romans chapter 9 in just a moment. Um, but he also... We also want to look and forgive me got ahead of myself a little bit nope we got it verses 22 and 23 of Isaiah chapter 10 so God is always he's executing judgment but he always saves a remnant remnant now he's talking about the salvation of the Jews here um, remnant language contains this is very this is deep Remnant language contains both salvation and judgment language. It's, it's two sides of a coin. How is that? Because if God is only saving a remnant and he's not saving all of, all of Israel, and he's saying, Paul's already said it before in a previous chapter, right, in previous verses, all that call themselves Israel are not spiritual Israel. In other words, the Jews who were born good Jews and you had that name and you went to temple and you knew what tribe you came from was not a lock and, and, and because what happened with the Jews remember they thought they were going to obey the law and that the law would save them and yet Paul says no we've been set free from the law of sin and death because none of us can obey the law perfectly Jews nor Gentiles so we all fall short of the glory of God so the law cannot save us and yet God's children Israel the nation of Israel we're going to He's going to explain it better in verses 30 through 33. And maybe I should leave that alone. But he's saying God always saves a remnant of his people Israel. So we see this remnant language in verses 27 and 28 of Romans chapter 9 as God is confirming yes. And Paul is confirming that yes, Jews will come into right relationship with God through Jesus Christ just like Gentiles. Now, Jesus changed everything. Jews come to salvation through Jesus Christ. Gentiles come to salvation only through Jesus Christ, right? We know that, right? For there is no other, right? For God so loved the world that he sent his son. He, Jesus, should have been for the Jews the completion of everything that they were waiting for in their history. And yet, so many did not and do not believe. So, Romans chapter 9, right? Isaiah cried out concerning Israel. And we read that in verse 29. And just as Isaiah foretold, unless the Lord of hosts had left us a posterity, we would have become like Sodom and Gomorrah. Listen, if we go back 
and see what God is saying even in Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 9. And you guys, I, most of you, and we should not take it for granted, um, Isaiah 1.9, God, through the prophet Isaiah, who has a, a tough message here, is saying to the children of Israel, unless the Lord of hosts had left us a few survivors, we would be like Sodom, we would be like Gomorrah. So you heard that in Romans chapter 9, right? When the scripture was read this morning. What in the world is Paul talking about? Well, you know what happened in Sodom and Gomorrah. So we refer to sometimes, and I should be careful what I say, I refer to our culture sometimes as both Sodom and Gomorrah. And I need to be really careful when I say that. So Sodom and Gomorrah is that historical phrase to use when you just see lawlessness and sin run rampant somewhere you, you think about Sodom and Gomorrah remember Lot and Ab Lot and Abraham when they separated Lot went to Sodom and Gomorrah Abraham stayed out of there God said don't go there he Lot went there anyway and remember when the angels came and the city was so evil they're banging on the door and they said send those men out and the men were actually the angels right and Lot said, oh, no, I'm not sending them out. And the people wanted to do uh, evil things to the angels, to the men. And, um, and, and, and so God was protecting Lot and protecting his family. And the angels said, no, we've got to get out of here. And when God rains down his judgment, don't even look back. Because God is going to destroy this place. And remember, wasn't that Abraham's conversation with God? If there's 40, righteous, 100 righteous people, God spared a city. God said, nope, there's not. Abraham, I forget the numbers. Don't let me lie to you in church on Sunday. But he got down to 40. He got down to 10. God said, nope, judgment is coming. Why? For God's glory. Sin and lawlessness had to be, had to be dealt with. So what happened? You know what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. God destroyed that city as they were fleeing the city. God was sparing. What was he doing? sparing Lot and his family, a little remnant, right, from Sodom and Gomorrah. God was sparing Lot and his family. Poor, I always felt sorry for Lot's wife. I don't know. Do y'all just figure like she got what she deserved? I always felt sorry for Lot's wife. It says she looked back and turned into a pillar of salt because she disobeyed God. I mean, she just wanted to get that little peek. What was God doing, right? Didn't go well for her, did it? No. But, so, We've got this picture, this horrible picture. People died, maybe hundreds or thousands of people died and because God was judging sin and lawlessness. And what does that have, what does that have to do with us here? In Isaiah, in Isaiah, Isaiah is warn, warning God's children Israel about their disobedience and the coming judgment and their rebellion. God's own children were rebelling against him. And so... Isaiah says, unless the Lord of hosts had left us a few survivors, we would be like Sodom and we would be like Gomorrah. That is, to me, that is like a scary prophecy. That is a scary statement, right? But because God is holy, because God is just, because God is God, God cannot and will not ignore sinfulness. He won't ignore my sinfulness. He won't ignore your sinfulness. But because of God's great love for you and for me, he sent Jesus to die for us. Because you and I, neither one of us, could fulfill God's law and please God with our actions, right? So what did he do? He sent Jesus. But 
But, verse 29, staying in the text here, God had to execute judgment. So, here we go, 30 through 33. The last piece here, God's calling is always by faith. So, if you didn't get anything else and you're like, why do we keep talking about Jews and Gentiles? We keep talking about Jews. And by the way, what a great... What a great story here for you and me when we talk to people, I know, right? When we talk to people who don't necessarily look like us or come from the same place as we do, right? I love to look out over our group on Sunday morning because we don't all look alike and we don't all come from the same place. And that's a beautiful picture. That's a beautiful picture of what heaven's going to be like someday. And that's why I love being here. Um, but he said, you who were not my people are going to be my people. Look, in the city of Baltimore, God is calling people to salvation. And he's calling people to salvation who don't, we don't necessarily look like one another. Uh, matter of fact, y'all know, I was born and raised in and around Washington, D.C. And every time I meet somebody new in the neighborhood, they ask me where I'm from. Like I'm from down south somewhere. I don't know what I've done to the English language, but I've done something to it. And I said, well, you know, I hang out with these people from North Carolina all the time. Maybe I've just appreciated that long drop. But we're different, right? And yet the Bible says, and we saw this somewhere. Diane pointed out a sign. And it said that we were all created. Oh, it was St. Vincent's. If you're ever going down 83, it's St. Vincent's over on the left. Look over at St. Vincent's and see the sign. We all bear the image of God. Black lives matter. We are all image bearers of the God who created us. Each and every person, each and every person who made it to conception uh, in their mother was created in the image of God. Right? We talk a lot about the great value that you have with God. Why does God love you? He created you. You are His. He's calling people to salvation. God loves you. He values you. But if God values you that much, watch this. I better value you as much as I possibly can in my humanity, right? And it doesn't matter what you look like or where you come from. It doesn't matter if you don't like me. It doesn't matter what kind of names people use for each other who, who don't look like each other or come from different countries or different places. God, God said you're created in his image. I better treat you like you're created in God's image. I don't always do it well I don't you know uh, sometimes I feel like you deserve better in a pastor but sometimes I feel like my wife deserves better in a husband sometimes I fall short right as a parent as a pastor I'm certain of it but you bear the image of Almighty God God got together, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and said, let us make man in our image. This is so important. This is so important. Why? Because God's calling is always by faith. This last piece here in 30 through 33, what shall we say then that Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness attained righteousness, even though the righteousness which, even the righteousness which is by faith, but, so he's contrasting that with Israel, Pursuing a law of righteousness did not arrive at law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as though by works. Now, before we get there, listen. The righteousness that Paul is talking about here, 
is both moral and forensic. Doesn't that sound smart? I didn't. I read somebody else's. <laughs> but what does that mean? In salvation, righteousness is, is extended to you and me. If you're a follower of Jesus, is extended to you and me because of what Jesus did. Because Jesus Christ died on the cross. So forensically, because God sees you through the very righteousness of Jesus Christ. When God looks at you, if you're a Christian, he sees the righteousness. He sees you as the truly, as the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Wow. Doesn't that speak to his love, his value of you? That speaks to all of that, right? But so this righteousness, and then because of that, there is a moral righteousness that is extended to us, right? God, we're called to grow in faith. We're called to put off the old man, put on the new man. We're called to stop living in the lust of the flesh, but, but be filled with the Spirit. The Bible says don't, don't get drunk, don't commit adultery. Paul says, look, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you should desire the new man and not the old man. Paul goes to great lengths to talk about our spiritual growth, but our moral righteousness is only attainable because of our forensic righteousness that comes only through Jesus Christ. Amen. So that's why it's not just a nerd word. That's why these things are important. Paul is talking about both, both types of righteousness, but one is only attainable because of the other. And he says it very clearly here that the righteousness which is by faith. So my favorite place here, remember Romans chapter 5, we've already been there. But you know, I'll repeat it every chance I get. Verse 1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Y'all know I want to keep reading, but I'm going to discipline myself. Right? So, so it's, a, it's through faith in Jesus Christ that we are at peace with God. I am no longer God's enemy. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, Romans chapter 5 is a hard chapter. It says we're sinners, helpless, we're even God's enemy prior to knowing Jesus Christ. But so here it is. Here's a pinnacle, or, or here's a highlight today. It's a sad one in a way. Verse 33, just as it is written. So in verse 33, we would go back to, I believe, oh, Charlie, Isaiah 28, 16, and Isaiah 6, 14, but I'm going to stay right here in Romans. Behold, I lay in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. And he who believes in him will not be disappointed. Or in the language, will not be put to shame. I like that better. Your Bible might say it that way. Why? Jesus Christ and the Gospels talk about it, right? Um, I lay in Zion a cornerstone and the Gospels talking about Jesus. Jesus said... Uh, you'll tear this temple down, but in three days I will rebuild it. They wanted to kill him. They thought he was talking about the temple. He was talking about himself. Jesus Christ is the stumbling block to the Jews. So many. Why, just, why are just a remnant of Jews coming to know Christ? Uh, this is, it was predicted, it was prophesied, that they were waiting and looking for Messiah, and when Messiah came, he did not look sound or talk the way they wanted him to, and they did not receive him as their Messiah. Jesus Christ is a stumbling block to those of us who are living in our sin. Jesus Christ is a stumbling block to those of us who are not saved and living in rebellion towards God. Some people, many people who don't know Christ, they don't even know that. 
They don't even know they're living in rebellion to God. Some do, and do it gleefully, right? And, and, and live very dangerously. But to our Jewish friends, Jesus Christ and the Gospels throughout, Jesus Christ is a stumbling block. And he says, Behold, I lay in Zion a sign, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. But if you believe in him, you, Jews, Gentiles, white, black, Asian, in the city, in the country, on a mountain, over the ocean, you will not be put to shame. Amen? So I love the picture that Paul is painting here. And I don't want to take it lightly that we're talking about ethnic Jews and Israel. We're talking about Gentiles that comprise all of the rest of us, right? Whether your ancestors, whether your ancestors came from Europe or whether they came from Africa or whether they came from Asia, we're all the Gentiles that Paul is talking about here. I have any good Jewish friends here today God bless you so this great salvation this loving God in whose image you are created Paul is sharing Paul is sharing with the Christians uh, with the Roman Christians at Jerusalem he's sharing this understanding this theological understanding of where the Jewish people stand with God and why and where we as Gentiles stand with God and why. But let's not forget verse 24, where we started today. Even us, whom he has called. God is calling men and women and boys and girls to salvation. God is calling people to forsake their sinfulness, to acknowledge that I, one, cannot do it on their own, that we need the Savior, who is Jesus Christ, that God provided for our salvation through Jesus, that the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin and calls us to salvation so that we do not end up here in verse 33. Jesus Christ is a stumbling block to those who are perishing. A stone of stumbling. And yet to those of us who are being saved. Amen? So, we take a deep breath we take a deep breath Romans 9 it took four weeks I told you I wasn't gonna do it I lied to you from the beginning but listen this understanding this understanding is so much deeper than just the knowledge of what God was that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of everything that God was doing throughout human history and before amen and God's desire today is that one would be saved, that one would come to Christ. And next week, y'all can put on your running shorts and your tennis shoes, because it's next week, Romans chapter 10, y'all. Whosoever will, for God so loved the world, right? Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you've ever shared the Roman ro Romans road with someone, right? For with the mouth confession is made unto salvation, and with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Amen? Amen. The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I don't know, that might be a good title for next week. Whosoever will. I don't know, I might have to, might have to pray about that. <laughs> hey, listen, my friend, as Morgan comes to lead us in some worship this morning, this idea, this truth in the Word of God,
that we all need Christ, or the truth that God's judgment is real, or the truth that anything that in my life that I make more important than my walk with Christ is idolatry. And, and God had a hard message for his children in the Old Testament, and he used some tough language. And I called myself on the carpet when I read that this week. Amen? Father God, have your way in our hearts and minds. Father God, I pray that Christians will be encouraged through your word. I pray as we understand, Lord Jesus, that you love us, that we're created in your image, that you died for us, that we are encouraged, Lord God. But for one, Lord God, who may not know you, for whom you might be a stumbling block, I pray that your Holy Spirit will convince them to come to you today to cry out for salvation. Father God, may we look out over our community and our city and rejoice and rejoice that you are calling men and women from all the nations to yourself in salvation and that we get to be part of that and if there's anything inside of us lord god that doesn't care for or doesn't like or doesn't love those who are different than we are may we confess that lord god may we confess that to you and forsake it today so father god we just lift up this time of worship to you in jesus name Amen. Amen.